Hello and welcome back to Mum Talk. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week. This week I'm talking with Nikki Clinch. Now I introduce her in the podcast and she's the most amazing, amazing inspirational mum. I'm not going to make this introduction too long because I have once again turned out a massive podcast. I think it's like an hour and 30 this one. So we're going to keep this nice and short. I'm going to fill you in on my pregnancy and how that's going next week. Um, But this week I talk with Nikki. Now Nikki is the most incredible, inspirational woman and mum to the most beautiful little girl. And she actually has some news of her own in this podcast. Um, So I will let her give that news to you guys. But we touch on what's going on for her in motherhood in this moment. We talk about her career as a nutritionist and a chef. She touches on eating disorders, pregnancy, diet, nourishing the body, what what she ate during pregnancy, what it's okay to eat. Um, we all eat crazy things in pregnancy. I went out for dinner with my prenatal um, yogis last night and we were discussing like what we ate and it's not all vegetables <laughs> and healthy stuff, I can promise you that. We talk about baby weight and a little bit of self-image um, and body image, self-employment, juggling work and also the work that she does with the mind, body, soul and spirit which is really beautiful to listen to, especially if you're feeling um unsure about how can how to connect with your little one your little human i certainly really benefited from that advice um we also talked about her pregnancy symptoms becoming a mum her husband and then all the stuffs that that mums want to know like prams and birthing plans and snacks baby names all that kind of stuff so stick with the podcast there will be something in there that you relate to and I will leave you guys with me and Nikki just having the longest chat about all things motherhood this week I am here with Nikki. So Nikki is a macrobiotic nutritionist and a life counsellor, chef and a teacher, mother to a beautiful little girl and wife to whom she describes as a giant Kiwi man. <laughs> hi Nikki. Hi, hi Emma and hi everyone. My husband will kill me for that. <laughs> I was reading your website earlier and I thought that is just brilliant. But he, he is is actually a giant is he's six foot four <laughs> oh and my goodness. when you meet him you you just look right it's like looking up to the ceiling and I'm so tiny and we just look so hilarious together <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny so I was wondering if we could just start off um this podcast by just touching on what's going on in your life at the moment in motherhood what's what's going on for you at the moment gosh there's so much going on at the moment. So um, I have a four and a half year old little girl called Taya and she started school in September last year and I was just telling you just as I arrived earlier this afternoon that I just found out that she's being bullied at school just this weekend. She just poured her little heart out to me and it's really like where I am right now, just having to deal with that. And, you know, she's four and she's just the sweetest, kindest, most innocent little soul. And it's kind of shocked me that 
little five-year-olds are, are being are saying such cruel things to her at school and so yesterday I was in the principal's office and I was having to deal with all that but you know what it really made me realize was actually how grateful I am that I was able to to stay really conscious and present for her mm. because she didn't want to go to school yesterday and I kept her home and I really spent time you know talking with her about how it how it made her feel and explaining to her that I was there for her and just really communicating with her and I could see her starting to calm down and feel more grounded and more safe and you know I think I just feel very grateful to be able to have that kind of relationship with her um, and to be able to hold space for her like that so it kind of just made me realize how grateful I am for all the work I've ever done on myself <laughs> so that I can be able to deal with moments like this yeah. in a really loving way. Mm. <laughs> uh, so that's where I am with that. And, and I'm 15 weeks pregnant as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, with my second. So I'm pretty knackered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, bet. I'm tired and it feels like I'm sort of carrying a, a, a sack around with me of you know, just so much um, sluggishness and yeah. trying to do all that while being a mum and running a business and growing this baby, it just feels like a huge task. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing a baby is a huge thing without everything else, yes. plus emotional you know, stuff that's going on for you, which is exhausting. Mm. Plus everything that you've got going on for work, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just really occurred to me, you know, this weekend, you know, I'm not, it it just, for some reason, it took me this long for it to really hit home. I'm not going to be able to do things like I normally do things. Yeah. I normally have a lot of energy and I am getting wiped out Mm. just from the simplest things. Mm. So... You know, after yesterday working and having tear home and dealing with all that, I mean, I was in bed with her by seven and I was asleep, like <laughs> really <laughs> asleep. <laughs> oh. um, so, yeah, it feels like I'm, I'm sort of in a new unknown place right now. You yeah. Know? You do have to give in, don't you? Because there was a point in my pregnancy when... I was just kept fighting it, really kept fighting the exhaustion. I would just not sit down on the sofa at any point, mm. even when my body was asking for it. And then I did start to think, okay, this is ridiculous. This is not going away. This is staying with me, and I just need to take some time out and put a time that put aside that time in my day to just relax and yes. just breathe. <laughs> it, yeah, it, you do have to surrender to it, and it's okay to do that. It's okay to do it, and it's absolutely necessary. Mm. I mean, I was just saying to you earlier, there's tiredness, and then there's pregnancy tiredness. Mm -hmm. And it is literally like someone's put mud in my body. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I've literally had to have naps before I I do one-to-one, see one-to-one clients. And then nap after they leave. Um, I've had to have naps you know, before I go and speak at events, on Thursday night I, I did an event for International Women's Day. Oh, wow. Brilliant. And it was amazing. And, you know, I, it was so much love in the room. But I had to take Friday off because, mm. I mean, I, I literally couldn't function. Mm. And I was in bed, like, for most of the afternoon until I had to pick Tara up. And 
And so it's really listening. It's like, because this isn't what my first pregnancy was like. I, okay. I, you know, my first pregnancy, I, was, I wasn't sort of running the business like I run it now. I didn't have a four-year-old to take care of. And I had a lot more energy in my second trimester. Okay. But this one, it's, um, it's again, it's like l- listening to what's really happening and having to take care of that yeah. you know, as each day comes. And, yeah, I'm having to really rest a lot more. Yeah. Mm. So can we touch on some differences between your first pregnancy and this pregnancy? Yes. Because with my, in my first trimester, I know we're both into our second now, but in my first trimester... I had horrific nausea, Mm. 24-7. I was never... Well, I was sick once, which was actually only a couple of weeks ago when I thought my nausea was leaving, and then, nope, I actually was sick. But it was Mm -hmm. once, and I did feel a lot better after I was sick. Mm -hmm. But during the first trimester, it was just constant, and it was like being on a boat or car sick Mm. just all the time, and it's exhausting. Did, do you have the same kind of nausea first and second pregnancy or what are the, the differences and similarities between your first and second? I mean, you know, sadly and amazingly, this is my fourth pregnancy. So I've lost two babies in between Taya and, and my pregnancy now. And um, the first one I lost early at six weeks, but the second I went all the way to 12 weeks. So I did yeah, have the whole full first trimester. And it's really interesting because all three first trimesters I've had have been different. Okay. But I have had the same nausea. So I, I haven't been physically sick, but really, really, really nauseous. But with Taya, I couldn't eat anything. And I actually lost a lot of weight. Right. This one, it's like I have to eat to get rid of the nausea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't actually feel hunger I just feel nauseous and then I have to eat to get rid of it that's exactly what I feel (laughs) and that's it's been so different so I've actually had to constantly eat this time just to get through um my my team that I work with just laugh their heads off because I I literally have three breakfasts (laughs) (laughs) like at 10 o'clock I need a third breakfast (laughs) Um, and, and that's just been what's been able to get me through the nausea. Yeah. But then when I do eat, it's not enjoyable. No. It's <laughs> no. not, is it? No. If you just... have something, I mean, we were just chatting, we'll, we'll get on to diet and things, but it's not like I eat and then the minute I stop eating, the nausea comes straight back and then I'll have something else, but it's actually really not what I fancy and then... It's just not, yeah, it's not. It's not enjoyable. No, and I not. love food. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of sad, you know, like I keep wanting to eat certain things. And then when I eat it, it's really just like survival and yeah. rather than enjoyment. So, um, you know, I thought that by 15 weeks, I would be feeling kind of amazing in my first pregnancy with Taya. I felt amazing by this time. Did you? Like I was... I felt that real glow and I felt really alive and 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 really sexy and this time I I kind of just feel the same. <laughs> I just as in the as the first trimester I I still feel tired and nauseous. Yeah. Um and and not much energy and <laughs> I keep saying to my friends, my second trimester glow that everyone's talking about is a right round the corner. But I think I've been saying that for like two weeks now. (laughs) Really hoping that it's just going to come and smack me in the face and I will feel energised, no sickness, 
and mm. want to just, yeah, and glow and feel sexy. And I, I want to chat to you about this, but um, I do not feel sexy in this no. pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I fi- I'm, maybe it'll come when I start to have a bit of a bigger bump. Mm. But right now I just feel like I've A, eaten too many donuts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just feel a bit, you know, floppy around the edges. Mm. And I just, I don't really even get changed in front of my husband anymore. Because I'm just a bit like, oh. But I think it's all to do about embracing pregnancy and it being my first and being okay with body changes and all that kind of stuff but we'll come on to it but before we I I really don't want to brush past um the news that you shared about losing two children in between yes can you if you're happy to tell us a little bit more about that yeah I mean I think it's an important thing to talk about absolutely Um, I, I literally had no idea how common it was until I went through it. Mm. So my first one I lost, um, I was pregnant. It was a surprise. Taya was two. Um, and I was very happy. Um, so was my husband. But it didn't last long. So I lost the baby at six weeks. Okay. And I was quite shocked by the level of grief that it brought up for me when I, I had only carried this baby for such a short period of time. So that was my first experience of baby loss. And I wrote a piece about it on my blog and I started getting these messages from women literally all over the world who, who had all said they'd lost, they'd lost, they'd lost. And I just I just started to discover this whole world of mothers that had gone through it and not really talked about it. Yeah. So that was kind of my first experience of it. And it took me, it took me nearly a year before I was ready to even contemplate trying again. Um, and then, and then I got pregnant again. And this time, um, I was, my business was pretty busy by then and things had changed a lot um, in my work so I was working quite a lot but it's interesting I talk about it now with my assistant who's been with me you know a long time and it's like we both knew that something wasn't quite right because Mm -hmm. I was I was really sick and I didn't look well at all and I didn't have any energy not not even a little bit Uh, but I was growing a belly and I was starting to pop out. Um, and then I got to 12 weeks. It was one day before my scan. And I started bleeding. And it was just the most horrific experience. Uh, I, I can't... I have written a piece about it, but it's really hard even to still put it into words. Just extremely traumatic physically, because mm. when you lose a baby at that stage you actually go into labor yeah um and then emotionally as well and I have to say that took me it's now a year and a half since that happened okay um and I was so traumatized by that experience that I I remember for the first sort of four or five months I couldn't even let my husband like hold me in bed because I was so scared of getting pregnant again and when I would get my periods again, the idea of, you know, it, it was just so emotional for me. Um, and I wasn't sure whether I would have another baby after that. 
I was really, I was really traumatized by it. But what I did discover through it was some incredible women that have been through the same. So I connected with this amazing woman called Zoe Adele, who runs the Mariposa Trust, um, which is the charity for baby loss. Right. And she's lost five babies. Oh, my and goodness. I suddenly just started meeting all these women that had been through these these incredibly painful and brave and courageous experiences. Um, and I found that really empowering to... To more, the more I talked about it, the more I found other women who had gone through the same. And the more we could be more heartfelt and honest about it, rather than just talking about it like this strange medical thing that happens to you, because it's not that. Mm. You know, you lose a baby, you lose a child. Yeah. Um, and then we had this kind of amazing experience. My husband got very sick before Christmas, and he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Oh, my goodness. And it came out of the blue, and we were told that he may lose his fertility, and he would have to have chemo, and it was very scary. And he had an operation to remove the tumours, and then, miraculously, that removed all the cancer. So it hadn't spread anywhere else in his body. So for that whole month, I was faced with the reality that I, the choice of having another baby was taken away Mm. and that was what woke me up and I suddenly realized that I wasn't willing to be afraid anymore and literally the day after he got the all clear we conceived no (laughs) really yes oh wow and so I discovered I was pregnant um on New Year's Day Sadly, after a very big night. (laughs) Um, So I was a bit hungover. Felt really guilty and happy at the same time. (laughs) And it's just a really wonderful story. And now I'm 15 weeks and obviously every single week I've been nervous. I've had... Of course. I've had... How many scans have I had already? I've had three scans already. Yeah. Because I I had one at seven weeks. I had one at 10. I had one at 12. Understandably. And, you know, it's really only now, I'm 15, that I can feel myself relaxing Mm -hmm. and going, okay, maybe this guy's here to stay, you know, and we can, we can, we can enjoy this a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Gosh, how (laughs) incredible. Everything kind of, after such a horrific few years. Mm. And then literally a horrific few months right before everything fell into place Mm. and you conceived. It's funny timing and life is so interesting, you know, because when we conceived Taya, we literally conceived the first time. Yeah. We tried. The pregnancy was just seamless, no no problems. She was nearly 10 pounds. Oh, wow. Enormous. Oh, my goodness. Enormous macrobiotic baby. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was just easy yeah and I never we never even considered that it would be challenging to have another one and so it was just this very humbling experience that we cannot control no. life we never really know what's going to happen and yeah it just it, the whole thing was very hard but also very humbling and, and it's definitely brought our family closer together 
Um, and my God, did it make me grateful to have my daughter. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I bet. Oh my goodness. My husband and I, we conceived on the first try as well, actually, which was incredible because I've had some, I lost my period um, for about two years. I lost wow. an awful lot of weight before my pregnant before my um wedding and then regained some weight and then lost a lot of weight again before my honeymoon and I it's only kind of now when I really admit that I probably did have an underlying disorder mm. that had been creeping up on me for a few years mm. um and I've never really been that confident in body image or anything like that so it's it's been quite a transition and really kind of freaking out when I first spoke to um my fertility doctor and you know she actually made the mistake of reading my notes wrong actually and she thought I'd lost my um period for four or five years and she started talking about adoption options and all of that kind of stuff and that really started to freak me out um but when she did kind of go back and I said no it's only been two years then she realized okay it's not as bad as it seems but Mm everything goes through your mind and before we got pregnant you know I was thinking this isn't going to happen it's just not going to happen you know I haven't got my period and then actually my period came back one month I had one cycle and then my husband and I just randomly tried and made a baby yeah and it it was crazy that I just I'd never thought and even in the lead up kind of after we'd had sex my husband was like do you think you're pregnant do you think you're pregnant because we're actively trying and I was like it doesn't happen like that it's definitely not going to happen like that for us you know I've had some issues it's not going to be like that and then I found out just between Christmas and New Year and um and I was like what no 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 that's not right <laughs> can't be right and I mentioned this in my first podcast but I actually ended up buying four pregnancy tests and yeah. doing one on each day. I yeah. just didn't believe it. I did six. Yeah. <laughs> you see, listeners, I'm not crazy. Some of you think I'm crazy. My husband got so cross because they're really expensive. They're so expensive. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. We ended up doing four, and it was actually, even till my 12-week scan, I didn't really believe it. If it wasn't for the nausea and the exhaustion... I don't think I would have believed it. It's it's really I found it very difficult to believe there was something growing in there. Mm. I really did, and I, I mean, I had the nausea, so it was a sign that you know it was on the right track. But you still never know, do you? And yes. I just, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy feeling. Amazing crazy feeling, incredible. Yeah. yeah, and then seeing the baby on the screen for the very first time was unbelievable I mean it really is a miracle it is I mean yeah when I look at my daughter now and she is you know she's a fully grown amazing little girl and I'm like my god how did you grow inside me (laughs) like it blows my mind absolutely (laughs) I was just with this I had coffee earlier with a couple of girlfriends and I was saying at school you learn about getting pregnant not getting pregnant Mm the female anatomy, the male anatomy, we don't actually learn about, or I don't remember learning, about the growing process of a baby. Yeah. And how 
our female bodies create babies. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's mm. incredible. And when I first got pregnant, I had no idea. I'm, I'm the first to do this in kind of my group and my family especially. And I haven't really been around many pregnant women or babies. So I rushed out, bought a book. I was like, tell me everything, book, tell me everything. And I had no idea all mm. of the stages it goes through, like how, you know, thinking about how our bodies are creating heart, uh, a heart and, and liver and brain and skin and nervous system. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, I have to say that it has been one of the biggest contributions to my healing um, is motherhood. Because I also, I, I struggled with eating disorders when I was in my teens mm. and also addiction, a lot of drug addiction and alcohol addiction. And so I, I really, you know, have had to work very, very hard on healing this relationship I had with myself. But it was only really when I was pregnant and then giving birth that I have developed a really new found respect for my body. Mm. It's like, wow, mm. like you did that. My body grew life. Yeah. And even in the miscarriages, it's like, you know, my body has just done everything that it needs to do and it's incredibly powerful and it has nothing to do with me it just it just does what it needs to do mm. and you know I think when I first got pregnant with Taya and I in the first trimester was the first experience now that I am a mum I realized that was the first experience of le of learning what it meant to be a mum mm. because you are literally giving your body over that it's not it's it's not yours no. <laughs> your 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 energy is being used to feed the baby your you know your priorities change um there's kind of it's sort of the beginning of this givingness that mm. happens and that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as, as once the baby comes and you become a mom mm. um and i and i think it's kind of an amazing process from the moment you conceive until you know the baby is here, that it actually it is a process of 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 growing into a mother. Absolutely. Yeah. And I going kind of going back to eating disorders because when when I first got pregnant, I could see myself. I've, I spoke about this last week a little bit, but I could see myself going down a bit of a slippery slope. Mm. And when I first found out I was pregnant, I was making sure that absolutely everything I ate had nutritional value. And I was cutting out things. Now, I'm not cutting them out, but I was cutting out things like chocolate mm. and meat. And um, my husband's brother cooked pasta. And I was like, I can't possibly eat pasta. There's no nutritional value in there for the baby. You know, I can't eat that. And I actually ended up losing a bit of weight, and it was only then I thought, no, this is not sensible, I cannot do this, I cannot go down this slope again. So, But I still feel that it's taking me a while to get used to letting go mm. of the fact that I have little control over what my body is about to go into and grow into. And I went shopping actually um day before yesterday to... Um, Topshop maternity just to have a look at their stuff and I didn't buy anything because I just I couldn't embrace the fact that my body was going to change mm. and I think this is going to be a really important journey for me mm -hmm. but did with the history of your eating disorders mm. and your first pregnancy did you ever feel anything like that or I mean I 
I, by the time I got pregnant with Taya, that was already 15 years after I had come into recovery and I felt like I had already become quite free from the eating disorder. But what, what I definitely noticed was, you know, I, particularly with Taya, not so much this pregnancy, because I've studied in healthy eating and yeah. I'm a macrobiotic chef and, and I'm a, and I'm a counselor. So I know, you know, how to use foods to create healing and balance in the body. There was a lot of knowledge and noise in my head, but my body was wanting like the complete different opposite things yeah. to what my head was telling me was what I should be eating. Yeah. And I was having these very, very strong reactions to I remember my husband made black beans one day and I honestly I I I made I had to make him put him out put it out in the garden. Oh no because I was gonna be physically sick just from oh, the no. smell. <laughs> and and you know, silly things like on Christmas morning I, I suddenly had this intense craving for like chicken flavoured instant noodles. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to send them out in a snowstorm <laughs> to go and get me the six different packet of instant noodles and like oh you know I'm a macrobiotic counsellor yeah. <laughs> with my 60p instant noodles and I have to say it did scare me a bit at the beginning I felt sort of all this guilt and and shame about doing it right mm. and you know I should be eating this and I should be looking like this and I should and and it took me a few months before I finally realized that that my body was my body was telling me what it needed yeah I mean I know it sounds strange to think that it needed instant noodles but no. it, it was like those were what I ate as a child because I grew up in uh, Hong Kong yeah so I was craving all my childhood foods and I realized now that I was probably craving them because I was going through such big emotional changes and you feel so vulnerable as a mom yeah um, and now I have hindsight, you know, I look back on it and I can see, you know, everything was as it should have been. And I mean, I must say when the bump gets bigger, you can, I found it easier to really celebrate, like wear dresses where my bump was showing mm -hmm. and my, you know, let my breasts show. And it re you really, I really felt you know, the pregnancy and, and the beautifulness of it all. Um, I didn't stand on the scales. I never no. weighed myself. I haven't. Uh, I think it's a pointless act. Um, I didn't listen to any doctors who, who would, who they, I, they'd weigh me, but I'd say, don't tell me. I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, just really trying to trust my body. Um, I, I actually didn't eat a lot of meat in the first pregnancy um, because I didn't really feel like it that much um, and I didn't eat dairy and so my whole family were freaking out that you know the baby was going to be malnourished and, and then she was born like a, a sumo wrestler <laughs> <laughs> and I always say that Taya is like 98% tempeh because I couldn't stop eating tempeh I was just craving it all the time I think one thing I have learnt is that my pregnancy, particularly with Taya and then the birth, it did bring up anything that had been unresolved mm. around my body and my insecurities and particularly 
my relationship with my own mother. So it did bring up things that showed me what needed to be healed. And, and so it brought up insecurities and it brought up a lot of emotions. I remember feeling very insecure. My husband and I weren't married yet then and being very insecure that he would take care of me and that we were going to be a family and all these things. And, you know, now I look back at it, I'm not worried about those things at all. But back then there were things that really needed to be healed. You know, my father left when I was a little girl, so it sort of brought all that stuff back. Yeah. So I have heard this before with other mums as well, that it can bring up unresolved fears and insecurities and, and actually... It's doing that for a purpose so yeah. that you can heal. Um, and it is part of the process of healing to become a mum. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know whether that answers your question. but <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Um, was there anything other than your chicken flavour noodles that you <laughs> really, really craved in your pregnancy? Oh, just all the bad stuff. Yes, it is, isn't it? Like, it's all the I bad stuff. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I normally love, love greens and vegetables and things like that. I am not interested in green vegetables right yeah. now. I just want noodles and pasta and crisps. <laughs> All the carbs. And sandwiches. I'm not having I'm having like sandwiches for breakfast. <laughs> My favourite thing is a crisp sandwich with marmite. Oh it's marmite amazing. with hummus and crisps. Oh, I tried it with hummus. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to try it with hummus. Yeah, I I I know now from learning from Taya that actually it's really okay you yeah. know I I it's so interesting my job is to advise people on how to be more balanced with food and well-being and their emotions but I promise you in pregnancy it all goes out the window there is no rhyme or reason it makes no sense you just crave what you crave mm. and you cannot force yourself to eat what you do not want no. because your body will say no yeah so trust that it's okay. We will get what we need. Unless, of course, we're eating crisps like 11 times a day. <laughs> and nothing and else. And nothing else. <laughs> then maybe we may get malnourished. But I do trust it. Um, you know, I've had, I, I've had strange cravings like sandwich for breakfast and then I want, you know, noodles for lunch and then all I want is like a, a, a berry smoothie for dinner. Mm -hmm. And and I'll just go with it. It's like that's it. That's what, or or an orange for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um I've got this craving for oranges at the moment. I can't get enough uh -huh. of them. Um yeah, I just I really believe I I, ha I was talking to an, um a mum friend of mine who um also works in the industry and she was saying that the nausea happens so that you, so that you, your body is actually tr protecting you from eating foods that, that you don't really want or need. So that right. it, that's why we crave really simple things yeah. like pasta and uh, bread <laughs> yeah. because actually there's a reason for it. Um, and I like that. I, 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 I like the idea that we can trust ourselves a bit. Absolutely, and I, I even more now feel like there really is a reason for it, seeing as 
I seem to be craving the same things <laughs> as you. And I definitely know from speaking to other mums that I am not the only, or we are not the only ones out there craving crisps and marmite sandwiches yes. and sandwiches and bread and pasta. Like it's, it's got to be a thing. It and must, there must be, be a, thing. a reason. I think the tiredness as well mm. contributes to it so that we're craving comfort foods. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is a thing because I love, normally I'll have a green juice every day. Honestly, you put a green juice in front of me now. <laughs> yes. And I will ask you to take it out of the house. <laughs> I'm the same. I cannot look at a vegetable. And my poor husband, uh, you, you probably have the same. Like, my husband expects me to, well, not expects me, but it's kind of the deal that we have. I will cook a nice dinner and... It's normally, up until I got pregnant, super healthy, like, mm. you know, mainly veggies. Mm. And now he's like, what is going on? Yes. I am getting pasta and, or I'm just not getting anything. I mean, before I came to London, I put off going to the supermarket because I just, I have zero inspiration for cooking. Mm-hmm. And turning each aisle on the supermarket run just makes me want to be sick. Yes. I've been exactly the same. <laughs> I've noticed. My, see, my fridge has been emptier now than it's ever been. Yeah. Because all I can cope with is buying enough for that day. Yes. And then I have yeah. to get home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm normally a pretty good cook. You know, it's, my, it's, it's one of my jobs. But I am a terrible cook when I'm pregnant. Because <laughs> I, 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 like, I lose all sense of intuition. Uh, it's yeah. a really strange thing trying to cook food when you feel nauseous. It's like a survival game. Um, so, yeah, everyone's getting really simple stuff right now. Mm. <laughs> it's, I feel like I'm having the most wonderful week up here because I can literally look at a menu and just see what takes my fancy and mm. then order it. And that is the nicest thing, having to not think about, right, what can I eat? What can I make for Hendrik and eat myself? That I'm going to fancy, but I'm not even hungry. So it's, mm. it's really, really challenging. <laughs> I mean, what I would say is this, is that, you know, it is quite a common thing for mums, particularly first-time mums, to worry about getting it right. Mm. Because, you know, you're in this new phase, you love this baby so much, you want to get it right, it gets even more intense when they're born. Um, What I would say is this, is that really, it's okay not to get it perfect. Mm. You're not going to get it perfect. We suffer from enough mum's guilt trust me it happens far too much and actually it's completely unnecessary Mm. and I just think that there is no perfect way to do this and and just to let let ourselves be as we are you know I really felt bad in the last sort of 15 weeks because I barely moved my body I I can roll around on my yoga mat and do a few stretches and that's about it and I keep talking to friends of mine who are fitness instructors and they're like, oh no, you should still be doing what you did before and you, sh- you can lift weights. And I'm like, all I want to do is watch friends and sleep. Like, I don't want to do all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I really do. Everyone keeps asking me, what's your yoga practice like? Are you, you know, are you really embracing it and feel really connected? And other than teaching yoga, I... I don't want to step on my mat. Like, my body feels no requirement to get on my mat. I mean, occasionally I will do the odd down dog or something like that. But actually, when I teach and if I demo too much, boy, do I feel it when I get home. 
I do a Thursday night double where I teach a power yoga and then a yin after. Yeah. And my yin, I'm basically sitting on the floor for the whole hour whilst I'm guiding them through their session. Power yoga is a lot more active and I have toned down demoing a lot more. I mean, I don't need to. I've been teaching for years, but when you have new students, you always need to demo. Um, but I get home and my pelvis is just screaming at me. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to do is get on my mat. The yes. last thing I want to do. And I, and I, and I would say trust that mm. uh, because I will change. It mm. will change again. You know, in the second trimester, probably after 20 weeks, um, you know, that might change again. One thing I was reminded a few weeks ago by my, a friend of mine was, you know, she was told that, you know, we should be able to squat 50 times, you know, to do the birth. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting conscious of that I want to be strong for the birth. I don't, yeah. it's not so much that I need to exercise, but I do want to be strong. So, you know, I'm not forcing myself, but I'm, I'm, I am now trying to slowly get back into some kind of routine where I'm moving my body a little bit more rather than just cutting up and going to sleep and I realize that I can't force it because if I do I feel sick yeah and I will feel awful afterwards but it does also help with the nausea sometimes too when I move it's distracting yeah mm-hmm. it's really interesting so again there's no right or wrong way I know I don't think that anyone can give you a prescriptive good plan of what you need to do yeah you just got we just have to kind of learn how to listen to our bodies and take it day by day absolutely i teach one prenatal class a week so i'm trained in prenatal as well which is actually really lovely because i get to meet local mums as well which is really really nice but the way i teach prenatal yoga is very much preparing for the birth so being strong for the birth Mm so we do do actually quite a lot of leg strengthening through yoga postures Mm -hmm. especially we're we're all quite similar in our stages of pregnancy so no one is right kind of right up at the end of their pregnancy um which has made it a little bit easier but um it's again it's amazing a a lot of girls came to me and said oh you know i don't want to do prenatal i think it's going to be too slow for me i think it's going to be you know yinish i'm like it's really not like we're preparing for birth here we're strengthening our bodies it's it's an intense experience we're about to go through mm. physically and mentally mm-hmm. so um yeah it's interesting that you say that you're trying to get back into doing some stuff as well yeah all right let's move on because i know that we haven't got all day and i don't want to be um chatting about um this forever so um you run your own business, mm-hmm. super successful, oh, amazing business. <laughs> no, it is. I was just chatting with Annie, because you know my friend love Annie. Her, yeah. yeah, she sends her love. I love Annie. Um, so how, in your first pregnancy and having, and, you know, being a full-on mother and now in your second pregnancy, how do you find juggling so much and your husband because they are also yes my husband needs love too yeah he reminds me all the time (laughs) i need love too nikki um my first pregnancy tay i was i was just starting my business then Mm. so i left advertising i just finished my while i was in advertising i was training to be a counselor so I was going down to Devon every month and and I did my finals just as I hit 12 weeks. 
in my pregnancy. So the whole of that pregnancy was quite an incredibly creative time of giving birth to my new business. And, and I remember I, I gave birth to my, my six-week course, uh, which is my Feed Your Inner Warrior program, which I no longer teach. I finished that last year. But I, I, I taught the very first round of it when I was like 30 weeks pregnant. Wow. And right up until the end. And the reason why I did that, and I remember in that second trimester, the idea of that program just came to me literally one night. I just sat up. I saw the whole structure, I saw everything I wanted to do, I wrote it all down, and and that was it. It was it was like I was giving birth to a creative um, baby as well. Wow. So I taught that for the first time before giving birth purposefully so that I could have something to come back to. Yeah. Because I didn't want to just sort of disappear into you know motherhood not knowing who I was or not having something for myself so I then took a year off with Taya um, and around nine months I started teaching again just one night a week and um, I would make my own uh, baby milk uh, mixed with breast milk for Taya and she would have one bottle that night and then I would go and teach so I started very very slowly and gently and then I got hired to be the head chef for Tiosk, which is on Broadway Market. Wow. Because Natasha, who was the owner of Tiosk, was on my course. So she persuaded me to come and, and launch Tiosk with her and launch the menu and be the chef for them. And so I said that I would do the first six months. So that was my first big job in motherhood. And it was pretty tough. So that was when I had to start the juggle. Taya started going to a Montessori nursery, I would go to the kitchen every day, um, and then I would teach one night a week. So that, compared to where I am now, is quite different. Is that going to be okay? No, I think uh, it's fine. If you can hear that, listeners, I'm really sorry there's a house alarm going off, but that's <laughs> London for you. <laughs> I feel like now when I look back at that time, that was kind of... It wasn't easy at the time, but it feels easy compared to now. Mm. So now... You know, I have a really thriving business. So I, I have a full list of one-to-one clients. I teach big transformational workshops. I teach retreats. I publicly speak. Um, I have a team of four amazing women. Wow. It's quite a different story. Taya's now in full-time school, so it's easier. But being pregnant, woof, and doing this... I have really been struggling. Mm. Um, you know, normally my schedule will be pretty back to back, and I, I, I have had to tell my assistant I, I physically can't do it. Um, I've had to have naps in between you know, sessions, giving sessions. I remember I had a, a, such a back to back day one day when it was literally full from nine to five, picked her up, and then I had an event that evening. And my, my assistant literally had to schedule in. There was an hour in the diary that said nap time. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> so that I would literally lie down on the sofa and sleep so that I could function. So I could speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I am struggling, I must say, to grow this baby, to be an available mum for Taya, to be loving with my husband, 
and to to do my work and I love my work mm. what I would say is this is that you know I am I am the one who can choose so I am slowing things down I am delegating as almost twice as much as I ever have um, and and I'm wanting to spend more time with my husband and my and my daughter so I've put boundaries down now, so I don't work at weekends. I'm very rarely on social media. I, maybe I'll do some stories, but I won't post at the weekends. Because I'm just feeling like it's such a sacred time to be with them. Absolutely. I am watching... It's interesting for me, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I'm nearly 40. Um, and, you know, I, I know there are a lot of girls in the industry that are much younger than me. And I, and I sometimes see them... And they've got so much energy and they're doing so much and twice as much. And I have to remind myself, it's okay. There's, there's, there's enough time and space for everyone. Mm. And for me, I am a mum to a four-year-old and I'm pregnant and I have my business and I can only do and I only want to do what I can. Absolutely. And, and so I'm trying to stay grounded about it. Yeah. Um, I think every day is a juggle as in... How do I find time for me? How do I find time for my daughter? How do I find time for my husband? And then how do I show up for work? So this morning I actually got up at six to do a bit of yoga and meditation, um, which felt really sacred for me. And then Taylor wakes up at seven. Um, but the morning before, for me, self-care was sleeping in for an extra hour. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's more just like, okay. And then on Thursday night, I did this event for International Women's Day and I, and I took Friday off. So I'm, I'm definitely having to listen more acutely at what I need and how I can take care of myself. My husband always says to me, he taught me, he actually said this to me when I was, when I had just given birth to Taya. And he came home at six o'clock in the evening after work and I was still in my pyjamas, I hadn't showered um, and I hadn't eaten since 10am and I was crying. I had this newborn baby and I didn't know what I was doing and he said, Nikki, if you go down, we all go down. You have to take care of yourself first and I've just remembered that ever since. God, what amazing advice from it a man. It was such amazing advice because... All I could think about was taking care of this baby that I'd forgotten to take care of myself. Yeah. And in that process, I was falling apart. So I've never forgotten that. No. So I remember that if I don't take care of... If I get so overtired and wiped out, I can't be a mum to Taya. I, I, I become a, a, a horrible wife to my husband. <laughs> and I, I can't be a counsellor to my clients. So it is in everyone's best interest that I do things like take Friday off and, and, and have the naps when I need the naps and say, no, I'm not going to go to this event tonight. Mm. Um, that it is not just in my interest, it's in everyone else's as mm. well. Yeah. You just mentioned in there something that's going to lead me on to a question I had for you um, about your husband saying, no, I need love too. Yes. I feel like my husband is expecting a lot to change when we have baby in our lives. 
And he's mentioned it a few times. He's been like, look, you know, we're going to have to have one night a week where we go out and do something and, you know, we can just have some time alone. Like, I'm going to need, I need your love too. Like, he says the same things to me. And I almost feel like there's a little bit underlying panic there mm. that he feels like he's just going to get pushed aside mm. and baby is going to be all that I care about. Did you, how did you... Did you have anything similar when you had Taya? Yes, absolutely. I actually even remember my husband saying to me, um, you know, he said, I remember him saying, Taya must have been about four or five months in, and he just said, you know, what about me? Mm. And, I, and I remember when he said it, I looked up and I realized I hadn't even looked in his direction for quite a while. I was so preoccupied with what I was doing as a mum. And, you know, I think it is, you know, we are going through this huge transition of, of what it means to be a mother. For them, it's very different because they don't have the active engagement as we do. And actually, there's not much for them that needs to happen in yeah. that first bit because baby just wants breast milk and mum. Yeah. So it is quite common for those feelings to come up. And I think that's why it's so important for dads to meet other dads. And especially dads that they can talk to. I know Kevin found it really helpful to to be able to meet other dads that he could actually have proper heartfelt conversations with and just tell the truth. Because he really he really felt it. It was like he had he had lost me to the baby. Mm. As time has gone by, you know, I've I it definitely gets easier as Taya is getting older. Um, that. I think what I've realised is really important for me to remember that as besotted as I am with my daughter, my husband is who I'm going to grow old with. And so my relationship with him is something of its own. Mm. We are a family unit, but he and I are, are, are our own thing. And we... We went through some really difficult patches when we first, when we lost the first baby. I lost the baby the week he got made redundant. Oh gosh. And we just both, you know, hit rock bottom. Yeah. And we nearly didn't make it. We nearly broke up. It took, we nearly got divorced like months later. We were fighting a lot and we just couldn't see eye to eye. We had to go back into counselling and... What was remarkable about that, and I'm amazed we got through it, but we really did, and we realised that we, we, we can't be each other's enemies, we have to be each other's allies. That we are, we are a family unit, but he and I have got to respect our relationship as something of its own. Absolutely. And so that's something that, that I am now noticing and seeing more, more than ever particularly now Taya's a bit older. We may not get out as much. <laughs> you know, we don't have family nearby, so it's always expensive to get a babysitter and all that mm. stuff. But little things I notice make a really big difference, like just reaching over and stroking his head in the morning um, or, you know, or uh, you know, having that proper conversation when he gets back from work. How are you? Having those moments of connection. Um really little things just making sure that I give him a kiss before he goes to work in the morning I've noticed 
the small things have been making a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely find that actually with his love to me is that the small things make the difference. Yes. A lot. Um, I mean, he's um, he's a commercial airline pilot, so he can wow. be away quite a bit. And also with his job, he can he'll fly super super early, so he'll leave the house at like four a.m., get back at like 3 p.m., not want to interact at all, will want to go to bed or just, you know, he's been talking all day, he's been interacting with passengers, he doesn't want to interact with me. But I have said to him so many, you know, so many times, like, it's it's the small things. I don't need, like, hours of your time. I just want a hug when you get in. Yeah. Or, I, you know, maybe when I've come back late and it's 9.30 after a day of teaching, you've cooked me some extra dinner. It's, it's like the teeny tiny things and it all adds up, isn't it? And it's, for me, it's the smaller things that make me feel so much better than one big grand gesture. Yeah, and I think definitely when we are, as the mums, are quite rightly completely preoccupied, particularly with new baby, you know, I think even then it can be really, really small things. Mm. Um... And I remember we we would sit together and 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 try and have dinner together while Taya would sleep in a in a crib in the living room and and just have literally five minutes of of how are you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and really listening to how the other one was. Um, I know it really helped Kev when he was able to start getting more involved. It actually really helped him when he was able to give Taya a bottle. Um, uh, because I breastfed her right up until she was two, but okay. when he was able to start getting more involved in it, he started feeling much more sort of useful and part of, and um, I know that's what he had said. But I think, you know, you also talked about sex earlier as well, and this particular pregnancy I haven't been feeling very sexy, no. but I, I have been feeling very affectionate, so, you know... I've, I've made more of an effort to actually just really, you know, hold him and cuddle him at night. And I just think those things just make such a difference. Absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. just wake up in the morning and you, I just feel really love, loving and connected with him. Mm. Um, and, you know, we haven't even said anything. And so, yeah, I think it, I want to say it's not easy. It's not easy having children and and finding the balance and and I want to say that because I then we get rid of this expectation that that it should look a certain way it actually is messy Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there it is messy Mm. and I and I kind of struggle with anyone that says it isn't because I'm like really (laughs) you know my mom my mom had like nannies and and a lot of help and she looks at what I do and she's like how do you do that (laughs) And it is messy and we're not going to get it right. And someone is going to feel like they're not getting enough attention. <laughs> what we can do is we can just do our best. Yeah. Every single day. And when we make mistakes and it doesn't go right, we learn from it. You know, and that's life. Mm. That's just real life. Mm. And actually, the more we get through the real life, I know this is for me and my husband, the closer we get. Yeah. You know, the fact that we got through that period when we nearly broke up, we just feel closer now than ever because we had to work through it. Yeah. Um, and, 
yeah, we kind of really know each other better now. So I just, yeah, it is messy and, and it's kind of a beautiful mess. <laughs> I feel like so much of pregnancy, especially, and also life after birth, it kind of is portrayed so beautifully and glamorously in things like movies and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this really is not real. No. Like, this is not real. Like, so many people kind of, well, you know, I've always looked at pregnancy thinking, oh, I'm going to feel amazing. I'm going to feel so great <laughs> pregnant and so beautiful and sexy and glowy. I do not feel like that <laughs> one little bit. And I just, I when I bought this book, it says in the book, do not read to the end of, of the book on pregnancy. And of course... I read a bit at the end. <laughs> and I was reading these horrific things, like, at the end of pregnancy after you've given birth. And I was like, no one tells you that. <laughs> no, like, oh. that's not in any movie I've seen. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember I I, sat, I had to have a C-section with Ted because she was 10 pounds and she was breech. So I tried to push her out um, naturally at home. And I did 13 hours at home. And, like, oh, we my god! We couldn't get her wow. bum through my hips because she was enormous yeah. <laughs> so I had a c-section and I just I remember this memory <laughs> about three days in of being home now with a newborn I was walking around my bedroom and I had these c-section pants on which are like these sort of cotton they're just the ugliest things you've ever seen <laughs> and I had like cabbage leaves in my bras to like you know help my breasts that were sore so someone told me about that yeah today. does that actually work oh, yeah no it's really really powerful oh amazing yeah, I'll tell you more about it in a minute yeah and I and I and I had this breastfeeding shelf linked around my waist and I walked across the room and I just looked at my husband <laughs> and I was like yeah this is hot <laughs> Because birth is not glamorous. It is messy and tribal and raw. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and I can't imagine doing it with someone that I didn't really feel comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think I feel much more comfortable talking about how real it is rather than how pretty it should be. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's the same with, with motherhood in life. It's, it's, it's just the same. It's, there's no perfect way to do it. No. So this cabbage leaf thing. Yes. I'll tell, tell you... I'll actually tell you what it does. So um, in Chinese medicine, um, in macrobiotics, we work with yin and yang and we work with energy. So in cabbage leaves, they're very, very cooling. They're very cooling and they have a lot of uh, yin energy, which is very um, light and cooling and expansive. So when the breasts get really engorged with milk, particularly they can get so engorged that you get mastitis. Mm. That's because there's so much heat building up in the breasts and it can be really uncomfortable. Oh, wow. So putting cabbage leaves on them, the cabbage leaves literally draw out the heat. And so when you put them on them, and you have them on there for maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes, you'll, you'll pick up the leaf and it, you'll see it's actually gone hot and limp. Like it's the, your breasts have taken out all the cooling 
coolingness. She basically cooked... You're basically cooking cabbage on your boobs. Oh my goodness! And it's very, very powerful. So, you know, when you're getting really sore engorged breasts, if you have mastitis, which is so painful, you know, get the cabbage leaves in your bra. I know it seems silly, but it really works. Like, just, you know, put them in your... cup, Cup your breasts with them and put them in the bra and walk around with them. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness! I had I had no idea. That's amazing. There you go. One for you, ladies. Get some cabbage <laughs> when when you're when you've given birth. Are there any other remedies like that? Yeah, I mean, let me have a think. I mean, I I use a lot of natural remedies for Taya. Um, it's not that I'm against medicine. I'll, I'll I'll use medicine whenever it really necessary. But I'm I'm lucky to have been able to learn what I can use naturally as well. So. Um, I think, um, I'm trying to think now when she has a fever, um, uh, I try to, I give her something called, um, shiitake tea. Okay. So shiitake mushrooms are really powerful for drawing out heat from the body. Very, very, very powerful for that. So ever since she was six months old, um, she would start sipping on it. Um, and it just really helps to draw out the extra heat from the body because in oriental medicine, if the body has fever, it's actually trying to get rid of something. Mm -hmm. So instead of immediately seeing it as something wrong that you have to, you know, fix, it's like, how can we help the body get rid of what it needs? So that's what I've always given Taya to sip on. She's kind of used to it now. Um, Amazing. I can't imagine it tastes very nice. It, it just tastes, I mean, she's used to it. You don't have to make it very, very strong. It's just like a slightly, slightly different tasting water, basically. Okay. Um, it, you'd make it just very light for the, for the babies and the children. What else? Um, <laughs> I think for breast milk, um, to have good, um, good breast milk, um, as in rich and... You know, things like porridge and creamy foods um, leading up to to birth are really powerful for having okay. really rich breast milk. Um, God, that's great. Yeah. That's some great pointers. Thank you. <laughs> and also leading me on to just the last couple of things that I wanted to discuss. Um, I was reading your website and obviously everything that you do is very much connected with mind, nourishing the mind, the body, the soul and Mm. the spirit. What advice would you give to mums out there to feel more connected with their bump and their growing belly? Mm. I think it is really powerful to spend time each day with your bump and just yourself and the, and the bump. Um, whether you meditate with your hands on your belly or whether you just talk to your baby. Um, I really, really believe that they can feel and actually I, 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 I can say as far as I, I think I know with Taya for sure that they can feel what we feel and they can, they, that we can communicate and we can connect. Um, particularly as the bump gets bigger. Um, I think one thing I would want to say is this, is read what books you need, but don't read too many. Mm -hmm. I made the mistake of reading too many books. And 
And, you know, my mother and I did not start off in the best way. Um, I was born when she was suffering from depression and she did, she kind of rejected me when I was born. So I didn't really have any blueprint of how to connect with my baby and bond. And so I kept buying all these books because I was so scared of being able to find this connection and I couldn't trust myself. What I have learned with hindsight is, is that the books could never tell me what my inner truth was, my intuition would tell me. That it took me a few months to finally throw them out and trust what, what my mother's instinct was telling me. This was kind of more after Bechtea was born, but mm. it was there and it is there. And it's really just about taking that time to start trusting it. Even if there is no blueprint, it's in our instincts. Mm. You know, I spent time with Taya, um, I would meditate with her quite a lot, particularly in the second trimester and third when she was breech. And I would play this this album, this music, and and it was kind of amazing because after she was born, and I'd play the same album. It was the uh, only album that she would immediately fall asleep to. Oh, wow. And it's like she knew. She recognized it from when she was in my belly. So I, I love that. You know, even actually when she hears the music that... Her favorite music for me to play for her when she wants to relax is the music that I played during my labor. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. So she just immediately, just something happens to her and she just gets really calm Gosh, wow. So I have the sort of gift of hindsight to know that some of this stuff really went in. Mm. Um, yeah, I think just taking that time, go for a walk in nature and, and talk to your baby. Mm. Um, you may feel silly, but, but they, they can hear you. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so... Lastly, because I know that I need to let you go, because it's almost five o'clock. Wow. I know, it's crazy. It's gone so quickly. (laughs) It's gone so quickly. So I have a few kind of quick fire questions that mums just want to know. What pram do you have? I actually don't have a pram anymore. So I got a bugaboo. We got seduced by the fancy schmancy (laughs) name. And it was a bit too hefty for me, as in, like, it was very... took up the whole boot. Um, It was very expensive. And so second time round, we got a McLaren. Mm -hmm. Um, And this time, I think we'll probably get just, like, a mamas and papas. Yeah. (laughs) Really simple, not too expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, what did, okay, I think I know the answer to the, well, I do know the answer to this question, but your birthing plan, you were at home trying to give birth yes. naturally. It obviously didn't go to plan. Yes. So I made a deal with the doctors that, um, because to them to try and give birth naturally, to even go into labor naturally with a breech baby is kind of unheard of. But I made a deal with them that I would go into, I refused to be induced uh, or to have um, an elective C-section. So I said, let me go into labor, let me stay at home, let me try and do this naturally. If the labor doesn't progress, which can happen with breech babies, then I will trust that, that, that it's not working um, and I will bring myself in. So I, I did 13 hours at home 
and they, it was pretty intense. Mm. My contractions came every minute for 13 hours. Wow. And I never got past three centimeters. Wow. And it just, my midwife was like, honey, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, I, I just put my hand on my heart and I was like, I'm just I have to trust Taya that this is the way she needs to come. And I went in and I had a C-section and it's funny being a sort of a, a teacher of natural medicine. I felt a lot of shame and guilt around it. But the moment they handed me her, it's like I completely forgot about it all. She mm. was just absolutely perfect. She was sleeping. She was so peaceful. She was 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> 10 pounds of 10 pay. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I say take the pressure off trying to get this perfect, perfect intend for what you wish for and what you want and also be flexible mm. with how life goes were you quite near a hospital to have that option then yes to go from home to hospital yeah we were 10 minutes away oh wow so we okay. just got in a cab um and it wasn't an it, it it was called an emergency c-section but it wasn't an emergency okay because yeah. my ideal well the way i look about it now my ideal plan would be to have a water birth at home mm-hmm. But my mum and my husband are both kind of flipping their lids slightly about the idea of that because we are, on a good day, probably 25, 30 minutes away from the hospital. Right. Um, and that's not take, that's like one way in the ambulance. So depending on where the ambulance is or whatever we decide to go in is. Um, so I, I'm nervous at the fact of going into what hospitals for me hold very, very negative. Mm-hmm negative feelings and emotions so I can't right now feel like I could go into a hospital and experience something joyful um and I want to do this naturally like it's what we're built to do and I don't much like you I don't want the medical intervention I feel like if I'm there even if I'm going for natural there's a more of a risk that I will have more in medical intervention than I would necessarily mm-hmm. need mm. um, to speed up the process. But in your experience, do you what kind of do you think when I tell you that about? Well, that? learning from from my first experience and now I'm planning my my second one. I'm the same. I I I need to be particularly now that I know what labour feels like. I need to be somewhere that I feel safe. And that I feel relaxed um, because it was the most powerful experience I've ever been through. 50 t- million times more powerful than I expected. So I, I can't imagine being able to be relaxed and feel safe in a hospital. That's mm. just me. Mm. I also know a few friends of mine who, who live where you live. And they have had natural home births you know, with, with a birthing pool at home where the midwife has come. Um, I think if your pregnancy is, is, is looking healthy and the baby's in the right position, that you should trust yourself. And if there are any complications, then usually the midwife will spot it pretty quick. Right. Um, the good thing is about where you are versus where we are is that it's less populated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here in Hackney, they can't even guarantee you that a midwife will be available to come to your house. Oh, wow. Because it's so busy. Wow. <laughs> so I actually had my own independent midwife for my first one. This time around, I'm feeling a bit more confident. Um, and I've already booked my doula. Because I know that I need a woman with me to look me in the eye when I'm losing 
courage to tell me I can do this. Mm. Um, and I am aiming to be at home. So I think, I think the same thing about motherhood, it's trust yourself. Surround yourself with a handful of people that you can, that you can trust to get, you know, trustworthy advice from, and then trust yourself. Mm. Um, if, if things aren't going right, I, I think you will know. Okay. I, I could tell that my, that it wasn't going to progress. And I was surprised. I was the one that said to Kevin, I think we need to go in. And he was surprised because I was like, hands down, natural birth. So, you know, I, in those moments, we do have the most incredible instincts. Mm. Mm. Just touching very, very briefly on the doula thing. It, it is completely new for me. Do you have a doula and a midwife? Or do you, yes. it, it's the two different... Yeah, so the midwife is more there for medical reasons. Um, the doula, there, doula is there for more your emotional and spiritual support. Okay. So they are there 100% for you, mm. for to, to coach you. See, this is, I hired an mid, independent midwife thinking that she would be there to coach me, but she wasn't. She, because I never went past three centimetres, she was hardly there at all. Mm. But what I really needed was someone to say, come on, Nikki, get up. Your contractions are really strong. They're coming every minute. You can do this. I had a lot of fear coming up for me. I needed someone who was going to literally, like, coach me and, mm. and get me in my power. So this time around, I've, I've, I've already booked her. <laughs> is it someone you know? It is someone I know. She came and gave me postnatal ma- massage, and we kind of built a relationship over the few oh, years. Oh, lovely. And she was going to be my doula for the last baby that I lost. Mm. Um, so I waited for the scan, and then I called her. Okay. Yeah. I will have to think about that as well. <laughs> um, what was your go-to snack during pregnancy? <laughs> And now I know you're pregnant. What's your go-to snack for this pregnancy? Okay, so with Taya, it was tempeh, <laughs> which is kind of like a vegetarian protein. Yeah. Literally eight packets of it, oh like a, multiple times a day. Um, this time, the snacks are, 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 are still a little bit random. So like I said, I can't get enough oranges. I, I hate to say I, I, I can't, I'm, I like have a, uh, some crisps every day, like those quinoa crisps oh, and the yes. hummus crisps, the, the, the lime and sour cream, love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I can't stand anything sweet at the moment, really? which is really strange because I normally want sweet, so I only want savoury. Um, and there's this tempeh lettuce and tomato sandwich at Ooh. Whole Foods that I can't get enough of. <laughs> I might have to hunt that down. That sounds so good. That sounds so good. Um, baby names. Yes. So when you had Taya, were you solid on, or did you have one? Did you have two? Do you have, do you know the sex for this one already? Mm, I don't know yet. No. So baby names, it was, uh, we could literally, we couldn't agree on anything. My husband and I, everything I said, he didn't like everything he said, I didn't like. (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) I was like, this is a really big responsibility to name a human being. How do you do that? And we weren't doing very well in finding something that worked. And then we went, we went traveling in my second trimester and we were sitting on a beach in New Zealand where my husband is from. And I was just sitting there, and I swear to you, this is not a joke. Out of nowhere, 
this name popped into my head, and I'd never even heard of it before, Taya. And it just popped into my head, and I just said out loud, Taya. And Kevin went, I like that. And I was like, oh my God. And we both just loved it. And I, beautiful. it was almost like she told us what she wanted to be called. And only after we decided that we loved that name, then we looked up what it meant. And in Greek, it's she's the goddess of, of sunlight. Oh, wow. And in Maori, because my husband is a Kiwi, mm-hmm. it means smooth running water. And now that I know oh, her, how beautiful. it is exactly as she is like. She is, it is her personality. So it's how kind beautiful. of, I'm kind of hoping that'll happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I can only wish. Um, yeah, I, I know that it's a struggle often for it's couples hard. to find something. It's hard. We had, we had one that we were pretty much set on and then it, and then literally a couple of weeks ago, one of our friends had a baby and it's not a common name. And he called, so one of the names that we loved was Alani. Oh, And wow. he, one of our friends called their baby Lani. Oh, how annoying. And <laughs> it's not even a popular name. And we hadn't shared the name with them. And I was like, no, oh. no. And then if we, if we call our baby Alani, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but then it, you know, it looks like we copied them. <laughs> and, oh God, and stuck an A in front of it. It's just, <laughs> I have no idea how that happened, but yeah. I so say, we need to start again. <laughs> just go with what you love. Yeah. And we've t- got I, the... I, I, think, I think what I have heard commonly is that when you do find what it is, it will feel right. Mm. Yeah. Well, we have the tricky thing of, as my husband's French as well, so it's got to sound good in French as yes. it does in English. <laughs> so there's a couple of ones that I love, but they don't sound that great with a French accent. No. Because, <laughs> because we spend quite a lot of time in France and we see Hendrik's parents and um, his he's got two brothers with a lot of family. So it's got to sound okay. You don't want it to sound silly in French. That's so it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky. Um, we've answered that you, you're going to find out the sex, aren't you? I, yes, I'm too controlling not to yeah. know. I, 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 hands up. I need to know sex. <laughs> <laughs> and last question. Is that we're, we're told, in, kind of in this society, there's so much that we're told to buy when you're expecting a newborn. Oh. Is there anything that you bought or felt pressured into buying when you were pregnant and then you wish you just hadn't bought and it was just useless? Yes, our thousand pound bugaboo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Sorry, bugaboo. Um... I I absolutely know now that as much as possible, um, you can recycle and get hand-me-downs from friends. And I know it's your new gorgeous baby and you, of course, buy them special new things. But you will be changing and buying new things every three months. Really? <laughs> so wow. That baby will grow quicker than you can imagine. So... After a while, we were just kind of, um, I was swapping things with my other NCT mums. Um, I was getting things from my sister who had older children. Yeah, I mean, if there's things that I didn't really need that we got, like I said, it was the fancy schmancy buggy. Um, everything else we kept pretty simple. Um, we didn't really need a baby bath um, either. Um, actually, I just had baths with Taya myself. Um We've kept almost all 
her clothes. So we have five boxes of clothes waiting to see if this is a girl or a boy. Mm. If it's a boy, then they're all going to the charity shop. Oh, I can <laughs> give them to you if you're having a girl. Um, yeah, I mean, what's wonderful is, is, is people give you lots of lovely presents as well. Um, but I would say keep it really simple, actually. Mm. It, it, it does get exciting with your first one. And mm. Of course, you want to buy all this cute little stuff, um, but they do grow quick. Mm. My goodness, they grow fast. I also think that in the society that we live in now, if you if you desperately need something, we're in a position where you can just go and get it. There's, yes. you know, either order online, you can have it next day at your yes. doorstep, or you can run out and get it. Like I, there's there's almost this so much pressure to make sure that everything is perfect the minute baby's there. Mm. When actually it doesn't really need to be that way. You can no. kind. I feel like you can kind of figure it out as you go along what you need and what you don't need. Yes, I, I, and I would agree with that. And and I think we only used about a quarter of the stuff that we had. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, we had a whole wardrobe full of clothes by the time Taya arrived, <laughs> and really all she wore wow. was like her baby sleeps. And we were naked for most of the first few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think we, you know, we can get caught up in it's kind of like weddings. We can get so caught up in this consumerism mm-hmm. um, panic when actually what we really need versus what we want mm-hmm. um, is quite different. Um, and there's always people that you can find things off. There's this amazing website called um, Oh God, I hope I can get this right. <laughs> Recycle baby or something like that. Okay. Where you can put in the part of England that you live in, and it connects you with all the other parents in your area. Oh wow! Who are giving away things that they no longer need. Oh wow! And I got so much stuff up there, like um, toys, um, clothes when Taylor was past one, um, and I just suddenly thought, God, this is so much easier, mm. you know, because actually all that stuff just then goes to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, why don't we just pass it on to each other, you know? Absolutely. My very last question to you is, when you had Taya, did you, was there anything, did you ever feel like it was definitely a girl? And this one, do you feel like it's, you're carrying a girl or a boy? Do you have any inkling? Yes. Really? I feel like I'm having a boy. Really? Yes. Although, um, I really don't know, obviously. Um, I do feel like I'm having a boy, and there is a story behind it, so... It's a kind of a spiritual story, so I hope you guys don't think I'm too far out. But when I lost my last baby, um, I did a soul healing session. Um, I was really in a lot of pain, um, thinking that I had done something wrong to lose him. And I just kept racking my brain, thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Was it the coffee I drank? Did I stand too close to the damp? Did I, you know, all this stuff. And I was kind of punishing myself. So I went to see this healer and I did this incredible soul healing session and and I spoke to my baby and he was a boy, he was a son and I asked him why, what happened and it, he actually told me that nothing was wrong, it wasn't his time. What he did tell me was that he was coming back. And I, wow. and I, and And I swear to you, for a good six months afterwards, every time I was meditating, I felt this little boy spirit very, very close to me. And I I just said to him, listen, all I ask from you, (laughs) it makes me quite emotional, is that when you do come back, please be ready to stay. Because I don't think I can go through that again. Oh. 
And I have a very strong feeling this is the same little soul. I just kind of know it. And my daughter kind of knows it too. So after I lost him the first time, for almost a year afterwards, she would go to a toy shop and she would pick a toy off the shelf for her and then she would pick one off for him. And she would say, this is for my little baby brother. He's coming back, mommy. Wow. And honestly, it, it sort of makes, even friends of ours have seen her do it and it's like, it puts our hair on end. And so now she's like, so, uh, so my little baby brother's coming back. It's, we're going to eat our words when we find out it's a girl. But um, I just have this feeling that yeah. it's the same, same little soul that we all know. I think he's already part of the family. And it may be a girl, but it can still be the same soul. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, I, Hendrik kind of says this to me. Do you feel like you're having a girl or a boy? And, and just, I don't know whether it's my mind doing this to me, but I, I just couldn't, I can't imagine it not being a boy. Mm. And I feel like there must be something behind that. I just, I, I look at the scan <laughs> and I think that just it's a boy it just looks like a boy I, I, and then you know my feeling I just feel like I'm carrying a boy but it, it could be my mind it's really hard to tell I mean I feel like I always knew I was having a girl with Taya but maybe that's because I know I know I had a girl yeah I, I it is interesting it's like does our mind do tricks on us I mean we'll soon find out we will sure. <laughs> are you going to wait till your 20 week scan to find out yes yes um we are having a scan at 16 weeks mm -hmm. um just because of my age which seems strange because I still feel like I'm 21 but <laughs> there's this whole stick you know they get more fearful when you hit sort of 39 yeah. um and I wonder whether they'll be able to tell me then. I, I thought it was after 15 weeks that you could find out. But who knows? I guess I'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, amazing. I We had some extra bloods done where they can tell the DNA of the baby through the blood test. Oh, wow. Um, so I actually have it in my phone in an email. Already? Right now. Wow. Already. It's incredible. It's a new blood test. And you test. haven't looked. And I haven't looked. Now that I'm impressed by. I know. I could not. There's no way I could not look. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> killing me to not look. But Hendrik, quite rightly, wants to wait till we're together again because he's away in France wow, right now. He wants that. to wait until we're together to look and then have a little celebration. But... Yeah, it, it, knowing that it's right there in an email, I'm like, oh, I want to look so That bad. is incredible. Isn't it amazing what they can do now? Yeah, well, I'm more amazed at your discipline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Nikki, it has been so lovely talking to you. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners of Mum Talk today? I think I just want to touch on again that if you are in your pregnancy or you have already had your child, that please just trust yourself, that there is no right way to do this and we are all so different and every baby is different and every pregnancy is different. So I just want to really encourage you to, to let wherever you are to be okay um, and 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 to sort of take the pressure off that there's a better way to do this. What, what our way and the way you are doing it and the way you are feeling is, is the right way for now. And 
And I think that really sort of gives us some freedom to just relax and enjoy it a bit more. Mm. Yeah. So... Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I you. wish you so much wellness and happiness thank with you. your little human making. You too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully I'll get you back on the podcast um, a little bit further along in your pregnancy and we can catch up. Great. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> So there we go. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Nikki and I. Thank you for staying tuned in all the way to this point. I will see you next week or you will listen to me next week. I won't see you. I can't see you through a microphone. And you will maybe check in and hear about how my pregnancy is going. That is what's on the cards for next week. All right. Have a great rest of your week. Have a beautiful Easter weekend and see you next week. 